Welcome to Hang Your Hat. This is episode 15. The sun is gone, but I have a light. Light. It's one of those things that we tend to take for granted until it isn't available. And then, stumbling around in the dark, the value of light becomes all too clear. Humans have been figuring out better ways to light our homes for thousands of years. From fire to window glass, and from candles to oil lamps. But in the last 200 years, lighting technology has truly advanced, and it all started with the creation of the electric light. On today's episode, I'm discussing the history and the future of the electric light. So turn one on, sit back, and enjoy the show. Often when we think about the creation of the light bulb, we think about Edison. But the truth is that the first electric light was created almost 80 years before Edison patented his first light bulb. In 1800, an Italian inventor, Alessandro Volta, yes, Volta as in the volt, developed the first practical method of generating electricity, the voltaic pile. It was basically a battery that was made by alternating disks of zinc, copper, and cardboard soaked in salt water, all stacked up in a little pile. Volta found that when he connected a copper wire to either end of the pile, that the wire glowed, giving off a bit of light. Volta's glowing wire is considered to be one of the earliest incarnations of an incandescent light, and it sparked a revolution in lighting that has lasted until today. It was only two years later in 1802 that Humphrey Davy made the first electric lamp, known as the electric arc lamp. He connected carbon rods to either end of a voltaic pile battery and found that the electricity, in its attempt to complete a circuit, created an arc of light between the two carbon rods. His light was too bright and lasted too little time to be practical, but it was a start. The next 70 years would see many advancements in lighting including some inventions we would probably recognize as light bulbs today. In 1940, Warren Delarue encased a platinum filament in a vacuum tube and passed an electric current through it. He reasoned that platinum's high melting point would allow it to operate at high temperatures and that the vacuum tube would increase the longevity of the bulb because there would be fewer gas particles for the platinum to interact with. The resulting design was pretty similar to a modern incandescent bulb and it worked pretty well. But the high cost of platinum made commercial production impractical. Physicist Joseph Wilson Swan produced his first working light bulb prototype in 1860. He enclosed carbonized paper filaments in a glass tube that had been evacuated by a vacuum pump. But vacuum pumps at the time were not very good and as a result, the lifespan of his bulb was very short. In 1878, after vacuum pumps had gotten better, Swan finally produced a longer-lasting light bulb 
using treated cotton thread as the filament. This version of the bulb even got rid of the problem of bulb blackening that was present in earlier bulbs. At the same time, Charles Francis was pursuing a different form of lighting in America. Francis was trying to perfect arc lighting for use in streetlights and commercial buildings. To power his lights, he created electric generators called dynamos, very similar to the ones that would later be used by Edison to power his lights. In 1874, Canadian inventors Henry Woodward and Matthew Evans were busy inventing and trying to sell their own version of the light bulb. Their light was formed of carbon rods of different shapes and sizes held between electrodes and glass cylinders filled with nitrogen. Unfortunately, their bulb was not commercially successful and they sold their patent to Edison in 1879. Edison finally seriously joined the light bulb game in October 1878 by filing his first patent for improvement in electric lights. He filed a second less than a month later that improved on his original design, specifying that the light producing agent be a carbon filament or strip coiled and connected to platina contact wires. His patent described several materials that the filament could be created with, including linen, wood, and paper coils. His uncoated cotton thread filament bulb lasted a whole 14 and a half hours. Just imagine buying an incredibly expensive cool new electric light bulb to find that it burned out after only 14 hours. It was after testing about 3,000 light bulb variations and 6,000 plants that Edison discovered that carbonized bamboo worked the best, since bulbs made with them could last over 1,200 hours. This discovery marked the beginning of commercially viable light bulbs. Edison's company, Edison Electric Light, began marketing his new bulb in 1880. So there's a little controversy here over Edison's patent for the light bulb. Two Americans, William Sawyer and Alban Mann, and Englishman Joseph Swan, who we already talked about, also had light bulb patents in their respective countries and it was unclear if Edison's light bulb patents infringed on the patents of these other men. It ended up not really mattering too much because eventually Edison's U.S. lighting company merged with Thompson Houston Electric Company, the company that was making incandescent bulbs under the Sawyer Mann patent to form General Electric, and Edison's English lighting company merged with Joseph Swan's company to form Ediswain in England. One of the big reasons that Edison is thought of as the great light bulb inventor, and these other men are to a large degree forgotten, is that Edison also invented a lot of other stuff that made the light bulb practical. He also contributed to improving the generation of electricity and its distribution, and developed the first commercial power utility and a means to build customers for their power usage, the power meter. The next big leap in lighting came in 1904 when European investors replaced the carbonized bamboo filament with tungsten, the same filament material that is used in incandescent bulbs today. The next innovation came in 1912 when Irving Langmuir figured out that filling the bulbs with inert gas like nitrogen doubled the bulb's efficiency. Incremental improvements have been made since then but it is clear now that incandescent bulbs are becoming the bulbs of the past. Even modern incandescent bulbs are terribly inefficient. 
Less than 10% of the electricity used by the bulb is turned into light. The rest is lost as heat. One of the things that has been keeping the incandescent bulb alive is that it is so inexpensive compared to other light bulbs. However, it may lose even that soon. Tungsten, the element used to make the filament in incandescent bulbs, is a relatively rare but economically important element. Recently, the price of tungsten has gone up quite a bit. China controls the market for tungsten, and it has been reducing its tungsten exports, driving the price up. While some believe that China is attempting to inflate the price by withholding exports, others believe that China's supply of tungsten is beginning to run low. The fastest developing lighting technology today is LED lighting. LED lights are light-emitting diodes. They are a type of solid-state lighting that uses a semiconductor to convert electricity into light, and currently they are the most efficient type of light on the market. LEDs can use up to 75% less energy than incandescent bulbs, and they can last up to 25 times longer than incandescent and halogen bulbs, and up to three times longer than most compact fluorescent bulbs. They are also pretty tough to break since they have no moving or suspended parts or delicate glass housings. I was somewhat surprised to find that, similar to incandescent bulbs, the first LEDs were created long before they became commercially available. Nick Holignac Jr. invented the first visible spectrum LED in 1962. It was a red diode. They began appearing in manufacturing in the 1970s as indicator lights on displays. Looking back on my 1980s childhood, I can remember wondering how they had made such a tiny red light bulb for my calculator. It was only while doing the research for this show that I realized that the bulb must have been an LED. It wasn't until the 90s that the next type of LED, the blue diode, was invented. But white and green LEDs quickly followed. Manufacturers quickly adopted these new LEDs for use in traffic lights, flashlights, and even TVs. However, early LEDs were no more efficient than incandescent bulbs. In 2008, the U.S. Department of Energy announced the L Prize, or Lighting Prize, that was designed to promote the development of super-efficient solid-state lights that could replace older, less efficient, or dirtier light technologies. There were prizes given to companies that could hit the tough performance targets set by the competition. At the time that the competition was announced, there were few LED bulbs in the market that could realistically replace incandescent bulbs, and most of those that were available replaced relatively dim 25-watt or 40-watt incandescent bulbs. Philips Lighting of North America became the first L Prize winner in 2011 with a 60-watt equivalent bulb that could meet the competition's performance standards. The Philips win showed other manufacturers that the performance standards could be met and drove them on to make their own highly efficient LED bulbs. Since 2008, companies have continued to improve the quality and efficiency of LED bulbs while still making them cheaper. The cost of LED bulbs has fallen over 85% since 2008, and the pricing of LED bulbs is now competitive with other bulb types, especially when their longevity is taken into account. LED bulbs can last more than 25 times longer than incandescent bulbs.
Even though LEDs on average last significantly longer than incandescent bulbs, the oldest working bulbs in the world are incandescent bulbs that were manufactured before the inventor of LEDs was even born. The oldest working light bulb in the world is the Centennial Light, and it has been burning with only a few interruptions continuously since 1901. That is not long after light bulbs first became commercially available. The light is a hand-blown glass bulb with a carbon filament and was probably designed to use 30 or 60 watts of electricity, although now it is significantly dimmer than that. At the time it was made, it would have been considered a common type of bulb. The Centennial Bulb was manufactured by the Shelby Electric Company of Shelby, Ohio in the late 1890s, and it was donated to the Livermore Fire Department by Dennis Bernal in 1901. Bernal had owned the Livermore Power and Water Company and donated the bulb to the fire station when he sold his company. Since then, it has moved with the fire company to at least four different locations and is currently located at 4550 East Avenue, Livermore, California, if you want to go see it. If you don't want to travel all the way to California to view the bulb, you can also see it on its own webcam. That's right, the bulb has its own dedicated webcam. I will link to the webcam in the show notes so that you can see it. And yes, it is still burning. to be that the amount of electricity or watts that a light bulb used indicated how much light that the light bulb gave off. But newer lights give off just as much light as older ones using much less energy. A light's wattage is no longer a reliable way to tell how bright it will be. Now we need to know the light's lumens. Watts measure the amount of energy a bulb uses, and lumens measure the bulb's brightness. You can use lumens to compare the brightness of any bulb, regardless of the energy or technology the bulb uses. Lumens can help you compare apples to apples rather than apples to oranges when shopping for light bulbs. Once you know how bright a bulb you want, or how many lumens the bulb you want produces, you can compare other factors, like the bulb's yearly energy cost. The bulbs that use the fewest watts will also use the least energy. When shopping for bulbs, there's one more factor to consider. The light bulb's color temperature, measured in kelvins. Light temperature ranges from warm to cool. Warm light looks more yellow, and cool light looks more blue. Traditional incandescent bulbs give off very warm yellowish light, whereas newer light technology tends more toward their cooler range, although most of these can be bought in a pretty wide color range. The light temperature that is right for you will depend on your personal preference and the type of task the light will be used for. Lights in the 2000 to 3000 Kelvin range are pretty warm and good for areas where relaxation is key, like living rooms, dining rooms, and bedrooms. 3100 Kelvin to 4500 Kelvin lighting is good for areas where a lot of work takes place, like kitchens, offices, and bathroom vanities. 4,600 Kelvin to 6,500 Kelvin light is similar in appearance to daylight and is actually my preferred color range. Light in this range feels energizing and it's great for high energy spaces and task lighting. 
I would not recommend that light in this range be used in the hours leading up to bed, however, because it can suppress melatonin production. If you want to know more about that, check out episode 6, Sweet Dreams Are Made of These. Light above 6,500 Kelvin is quite bluish and generally only found in commercial locations. Think warehouse stores. It's pretty harsh and you probably wouldn't want to use it in your home. If you are worried you won't remember all of this when you next go shopping for bulbs, don't be. Here in the US, the Department of Energy has made it really easy to compare bulbs. On the back of each pack of bulbs, you should see a lighting facts label that gives you all of the relevant information needed to compare bulbs, including the bulb's lumens, wattage, color temperature, and life expectancy. The label will even show the Energy Star logo if the bulb meets energy efficiency and performance standards set by the Department of Energy's Energy Star program. Before I go, I wanted to let you know about what is sure to be the coolest lighting event in North America this year. On October 21st, the U.S. will have the first solar eclipse to pass from the west to the east coast in almost a century. People that are in the eclipse's path of totality will see the sun being completely blocked by the moon for about two minutes. People who have seen it before call it awe-inspiring or life-changing. While only a small portion of the U.S. is within the path of totality, large portions of the U.S. will still be able to see a very respectable partial solar eclipse. Where I live, I won't be able to see the total solar eclipse, but I should still see nearly 90% of the sun blocked by the moon, which is still pretty awesome. For my U.S. listeners, I'm going to put a map up of the eclipse's path in the show notes that you can use to see if you live on or near the path of the eclipse. Keep in mind that if you want to watch the eclipse, you have to do so through a special solar filter, or you will risk serious eye damage. But the eclipse is still more than a month away, so there's plenty of time to prepare. Thanks for listening to Hang Your Hat. I hope you have been inspired to turn on a light. I would love to know what you think about the show. You can let me know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact me by emailing hangyourhatpodcast at gmail.com or via the hangyourhatpodcast.com website contact form. Today's music was by Broke for Free and can be found on freemusicarchive.org. I will also link to it in the show notes. The Hang Your Hat Podcast is a production of jerwerkincrafts.com. That is G-E-R-W-E-R-K-E-N-Crafts.com. You can visit Jerwerkincrafts for DIY inspiration, home decor, crafts tutorials, and more.